It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. I'm so excited that you are tuning in today. You know, last week we were talking about uh, hope. Yeah, the last few weeks we've been talking about love and then hope, and we want to continue our study of hope. What, what a what a time of year! This is just a few days now, a couple of days before Christmas, and this is the season where we put Christ back into Christmas, and we focus on the hope of Emmanuel, God with us. And last week we started talking about that hope that as Israel waited, as Isaiah spoke of the coming Messiah, a hundred and twenty-seven prophetic statements of the coming Messiah that were spoken 700 years before Jesus Christ would come and 355 prophecies that spoke of Jesus coming and the people were waiting. And in fact, for 400 years, there was silence, it seemed, from God as there were no additional prophetic words during that time. That's a longer period of time than America has existed as a nation. And so the people had to continue to wait that God was going to fulfill his promises. And so Advent is not only looking back as we examine the evidence and we have the hope assured and we look to the joy and celebration that Jesus Christ came once before, but that he is also coming again. And so it's a time that we prepare our hearts and look to the fact that not only did Jesus come in flesh and and dwell with man in flesh for 33 years, giving himself on that cross and dying excruciatingly and then beating death and resurrecting triumphantly from the grave and giving us hope eternal that this great story has forever transformed the world. It's transformed eternity. This is an exciting time as we examine this great story, the truth of Jesus Christ coming in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And the people, as I mentioned, had to wait. They had to wait on the Lord, especially for those 400 years of the time of what it felt like great silence from Almighty God. And they were holding on to these 355 prophecies that the Messiah would come. And patience is not a virtue for many of us. Uh, but it's a requirement for the people of God. You see, the Bible speaks of waiting more than 155 times in Scripture. Uh, here's what we read in Psalm 27, 13 to 14. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Then in Psalm 37, 9 The second part of verse 9, he says, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So maybe some of you are thinking right now, well, that's all nice and great for those people thousands of years ago. But what about for us? What about me? That person, those who were waiting on the Lord, they, they weren't fighting cancer. Their spouse wasn't killed fighting in a war on the other side of the world or didn't walk out on them. They, they didn't lose their job with no warning, with bills to pay and debt stacking up and, and kids expecting Christmas presents, not to mention meals on the table. You know, many people are struggling right now to get by and stressed beyond expectation. And as a result, the, the rate of antidepressant use has gone through the roof in the last 20 years. And antidepressants have become the third most common prescription drug. And now I believe in medication. It's a, it can be a lifesaver. But I think that says something 
with regard to our state today when depression is the leading cause of disability right now worldwide and suicide rates that are skyrocketing as a result, depending on which country you're in. But whatever description you want to give it, it's apparent that the world is in a, in a crisis for hope, desperate for hope. Of course it is. When we look at the evidence, life is brutal. There's so much beauty and yet so much suffering, and, and you can never really tell what's going to happen next. I mean, after a while, you know, people just start to, you know, losing hope. They don't know what to put their hope in next, and they're looking for answers. And Christianity is the triumphant entry of an astonishing hope breaking into human history, a hope above and beyond all former hopes, an unbreakable, unquenchable hope. In John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, the world is aching for hope. And we have the most breathtaking hope to offer, the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the promise to restore all things. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, we read, This hope we have is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become a high priest forever according to the order of of Melchizedek. Now, that's a powerful word to give us this this picture of we have a hope that's the anchor of our soul because it's both sure and steadfast because of the work that Jesus has done. So no matter what kind of problems and struggles that you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness or pain that you're in, especially with Christmas coming up so soon, you may be feeling like you have abandoned hope. Let me tell you that hope is still alive. Even in our deepest pain and our most hopeless circumstances, hope is alive because God is with us. And how can you know? How can you find a spark of hope when you may be on that verge of giving up? I think there's several ways as we examine the evidence that we can put our eyes back on Almighty God and take hope in Him. Because number one, hope is based on God's Word. You see, part of God with us is the written Word that he has left with us. Let's hear what he has to say. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, these are his promises to his people, both long ago and today. They're a piece of him. They're beacons of hope. It's a reminder that can penetrate our hearts, our spirits, and assure us that no matter what we're facing, no matter how bleak tomorrow looks, no matter how bad the pain may be, God will never leave you nor forsake you, and nothing can separate us from him. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and, and dwell in the 
uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely in the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And so what you see here is the hope in this, that as it feels like darkness falls around, as as it may feel like you could go somewhere else and maybe God's not there, Psalm 139 assures us that is not true. You can't go deep enough. You can't go high enough. You can't go far enough to get away from the presence of God. And the darkness flees from his presence. Can Can you feel the hope in that? You're not alone. God with us means that he is always with us, and nothing, nothing can take that away. You see, Scripture is filled with stories and words and promises that rekindle a supernatural hope within us, an assurance. In fact, the word hope is synonymous with trust in the Scripture, so it's not a biblical maybe. It is an assurance. And as we move then now just days away from Christmas, let me encourage you to dig in the words of the Bible expectantly because God is with us and we can take hope that we are never alone, that he is always working in and among us, and that he is not done yet with his greatest and final work of healing. Number two, hope is based on God's character. The second way we rekindle hope is to put our focus on God's character, on who he is, and the promises that he has given to us. There's a small story that's often overlooked throughout Scripture, and we talk about it from time to time. Let me just put your attention to it. That really signifies God's character. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34, here's what we read. It's easy to overlook this one, but it's a great story. It's about a woman, we don't even know her name, who has bold hope. Here's what we read. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. For 12 years, this woman had been dealing with this affliction. She was bleeding somehow. We, we don't know. No one was able to help her. Doctors had tried, but the woman's condition only grown worse. And, and this was a condition that would have aff- affected everything of her. Her entire everyday life would have been impacted. And those of you with long-term illnesses can probably relate. This woman was probably considered unclean, treated as an outcast because of her health problems. E- even people who might try to understand her problem, they, they probably couldn't. And she didn't understand it herself. But she had heard about this Jesus, the stories, the miracles, the healings, and she believed. Hope awoke inside of her, the hope of healing, the hope of a new life, and it drove her to take action. If I can just get close enough 
to touch his clothes, I'll be healed, she thought. If this Jesus, who is who he says he is, he can heal me. It was a bold hope that she held on to, and it may seem like a small action to many of us, but she did what she could just to get close enough to Jesus, just to reach out to him. And when she did, it made all the difference in her world. Was it hard? Probably. You think about jockeying through all the noisy, clamoring crowd and, and how difficult that must have been, especially with her long-term illness, especially if she was felt stigmatized and, and looked down upon, that she was a reject amongst the people. Was she afraid? Absolutely. I, I suspect she absolutely was, especially when Jesus began looking for her amongst this whole group of people asking, who touched me? What do you mean, who touched me? His disciples said, we're in the middle of a crowd of people. And you could almost picture this poor woman that she must have frozen in that powerful second. And on one hand, she knew that she'd been healed. And she's probably rejoicing. And on the other hand, she feels like maybe she's going to pay a, a harsh penalty for this. So she confesses with with fear. And, and Jesus connects with her deeply and directly. And that's what God with us does. That's what Emmanuel does. He provides this healing, this peace and freedom, and he changes her life forever. So how often, I know that this may go deep with some of you, how often do you feel like you're being punished as a result of the sins of someone else? The, the sins of your parents, perhaps, or, or their failures. And, and the, so when you experience hardship that seems to be without purpose, you struggle trying to understand the why. Is it possible that we haven't fully accepted the reality that God is in the business of healing and restoring, and that perhaps he has a much bigger reason for why we are struggling that we just can't fully understand and may never even see the value of it until the grand tapestry is complete? If we turn to John chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, we read, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. It is, t you know, this is, this is a deep one. Is it time for us to have this new hope once again, a hope in the reality that God keeps his promises and that when he forgives, he forgets? You know, maybe you've lost hope in that reality. That in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, in Psalm 103, verse 12, where he reminds us that when we ask him to forgive, he removes those iniquities as far east is from the west. And he says that he will remember their iniquity no more. And then he restores the years the locusts have eaten, according to Joel chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. And then he does something new according to Isaiah 43, 19. This is our God. This is his character. Jesus is worthy. He was and still is God with us. He fulfilled Israel's hope for the Messiah when he arrived that first Christmas, and he fulfilled humanity's hopes for victory over death when he resurrected on Resurrection Sunday. And one day he will ultimately fulfill all hope and complete God's work of restoration for all creation. And this is the promise he left us with 
to, to give a foundation, a, a confidence, and a boldness to keep that hope alive. He says in Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a promise worthy to fuel our hope because God is true to his character. Because of who he is, we can take hope in him. So number three, hope is based on God's faithfulness. The, the third way we find and choose hope is by focusing on God's faithfulness. In Psalm 77, verses 11 to 12, we read, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. How has God worked in your life? What are those moments and memories when you have experienced God at work in your life? You know those times when you have no doubt. He, he was there. He was working. Maybe it's been recently even, maybe it's some time ago. But in those circumstances, as you think about that, you need to remember the presence of God's Spirit, that He was with you then, and He will be with you today. And often this is why Psalm 77 says what it says, that we have to look back and remember the works of God. Because as we meditate on these things, we'll be able to be reminded and focus on the reality that God holds to all of His promises, and He is going to restore all things anew. This, this, is, this is hope. This is what hope is all about. And, and these memories have to fuel us that God continues to be faithful. So gratitude breeds hope. Thankfulness fosters hope. Acknowledgement and appreciation bring hope. Listen to these words from the prophet Jeremiah that you can read in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. Here's what he says. This, is, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Did you catch that at the beginning? I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah understood that there is hope in the future when we remember what God has done in the past. He knew that hope sparks like a fire. It flows like water. It grows like a seed. Hope grows and spreads like a living thing. It can dwindle and wane and, yes, even die. But with nurture and care, it can revive and flourish and multiply. And focusing on gratitude can then renew and grow our hope. So we recognize then and appreciate the good that God has shown us in the past, and this can increase our hope for all that he will do in the future. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to live a living hope. Though the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, who has begotten us again to a living hope. 
Emmanuel, God with us, continues to fuel our souls, to lift us up out of the miry clay. When we feel like we are being dragged down, we have to go back and remember all of his promises, everything that he has done for us. And then so when we share in the gratitude and the hope, when we share these things with others, others, it can multiply its effects. As we nurture this living hope, it can sustain us through our darkest days as we wait on the Lord. Let me encourage you with these words from Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you've been encouraged I want you to take hope this Christmas season, no matter what your circumstances may be. I'm just going to be honest with you. My wife is battling cancer, and she's battled cancer on and off for many years. But we just received news once again that the cancer has started to increase again. And in the midst of this, because of the, the treatments they gave her many years ago, she suffered from severe back ailments. It's a long story, but I'll tell you that it was like one of those compounded moments where you, you now have one issue you're battling and suddenly a ripple effect occurs and now there's many other issues or many other issues that you're dealing with. And I don't know if you ever feel like that from time to time. That Do you feel like it rains? It pours. And as a result, starting in January, my wife is now going to go through cancer treatments once again. It, it, it was a difficult moment for my family. And here we are going into Christmas now and trying to celebrate and worship him and coming alongside and around family and gathering together. And this was a very difficult time for the family. A lot of tears shed, but I can tell you that it felt like Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were worshiping Almighty God while they were in the shackles, while they were being, being just treated like less than human, and when they were being beaten for their beliefs, for taking a stand for Jesus Christ. Here they are in bondage, being broken for doing the right thing. <laughs> that seems to be the, the story of the scriptures, isn't it? For those who take a stand for Almighty God, it seems like persecution and tribulation quickly follows. For those who took a stand, they ended up in the, in the, the lion's den or into the fiery furnaces or before the angry mobs. And this is why Jesus Christ tells us that in this life, you will go through trial and tribulation. He doesn't pull any punches there. He gives us the honest truth, but to take hope, to find peace, that he has overcome the world. And by that empowering in the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, we're able to find ourselves as overcomers in him, that, that we are more than, we are greater than this situation because of him, by his empowering of the Holy Spirit, that the giants will fall before us, not by our strength, but by his, and this gift of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us, like he did for Stephen as he was facing the angry mob, and peace flowed over him by the powering of the Holy Spirit. I believe that whatever you're going through right now, as Christmas is upon us, we can put our eyes on Jesus Christ. We can take hope in him. We can can be assured that he is doing something greater in your life. And Romans chapter 8 promises us that, that, that if you're going through something right now, take hope that, that God is working things all to the good of those called according to his purpose, that he is working it out for a greater plan. He's weaving a grand tapestry, and we may never see the fulfillment of that great work in our lifetime. We go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we see that, that many labored 
and, and, and strived and persevered through great affliction for something they never even saw come to pass. But their faith was seen and praised by Almighty God, that he commended them for standing firm and steadfast despite all that they were enduring and persevering through. And they were never alone. A sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his knowing. He knows the very numbers of the hairs on your head. God loves you so much that he sent his son into this world, that God would be with us, that the prophecies, all 355, would be fulfilled, that Jesus Christ would come to give us a hope that is not manufactured in the flesh, a hope that comes by way through the Holy Spirit, that we have life eternal with him if we only confess his name. As Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That he came with a mission, and the mission was you. And he knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles that you're enduring. And this Christmas, put your eyes back on Jesus and know that the author and the perfecter of your faith is not finished with you yet. And he's doing a mighty work and your mission field is right in front of you, right in your spheres of influence right now. And I encourage you, radiate the light of Jesus Christ, that he is the light, that God is light, God is love. And you can radiate that to all of your family and friends. And if you can do that despite all of your afflictions, that that testimony goes boldly and people notice and they see how joy fills your countenance despite the afflictions of your flesh, that that cannot have victory over you. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are defined by the fact that God has marked you as his own. You belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are more than conquerors in him, Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope you have been encouraged. Merry Christmas, my friends. God bless you. And if you are looking for a place to fellowship, come and join us at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. We worship at 10 a.m. on Sundays and throughout the week. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Again, Merry Christmas and God bless you all.